There's three three slots where you mention Al Michivakakolo or Al Paris. So if you mention the specific one, at least one of those places, Yoti Rechivos of Edechism or he does not need to repeat. The Imtofas Atzmoishin if he realized the mistake before he said Borchat Hashem, he should go back and, and say say it right. But then he says, if he did not mention all, all details, neither in the psicha, not in the opening, not in the penultimate part, and not in the ultimate part of the bracha, then he's going to have to repeat. So again, if he'd said he had if he had fruit and grapes, and he said and all the way through, do not mention Paris. Well, then he's going to have to go back and say again, the next piece is actually quite interesting, which um, with the, in the Gemara, it says that wine has got a certain nourishing value similar to Mazinus. Also, of all fruit, tamri, um, dates, are also identified in the Gemara as zaini, as they are a nourishing. On that basis, he says here, that if a person had, had wine and Mazinus, and did not say alagefen, but wine is included in mezoinus by a stretch. Similarly, if he had mezoinus and dates, so mezoinus, dates are by a stretch included in uh, mezoinus, and therefore in those two uh, cases, you would not have to repeat the brachachroina. Uh, in other cases, you would. Okay, so this is, well, let's move on to the next question about a mezuzah. So someone sent me this question. We have a haloch in Shulchan Aruch that at what stage do you have to put up a mezuzah? So if it says here, Shulchan Aruch, that's the upper quote, if you are renting in Chutz Loritz, if you are just in a hostel, you are uh, exempt from mezuzah for the first 30 days, as if you rent in then you are obliged to put a mezuzah immediately. Okay. The question here is, does leasing fall into the category of rental or is leasing like a purchase? You can buy a lease for 99 years, whatever. Is that, does that, is that counted like a rent? Because in a way, it's, it's, it's not a freehold, so it's a bit like a rental. On the other hand, it's it's long term. It's so really we need to go back to the question to the to, to understand why is there the leniency? Why is there this um, <coughs> leeway for the first thirty days not to have to not to have to put up a mezuzah? That's really what we have to analyze, and then that will answer our question. So some say it's because uh, up till thirty days, the tenant is not so confident. He may. <coughs> You may terminate, may not be happy with a new new move. Um, so this is what this 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 safer, which I'm quoting here, is from someone called it's called Oitzer Pischei Mezuzah or something like that. Pischei Shorim. So there's a two fellows, one of them called Schechter. Oh, it's an American safer, but I'm uh, going through Hilchas um, Mezuzah, and he writes, if you rented a a, a house with a choyzer with a contract called a lease. Since you cannot back out, Nero de Chayv Miyad, he takes the view that you do have to put up a mezuzah in, in immediately. So, in a sense, that a rental is a little bit of a question mark 
whereas if you have a lease, which is a long-term contract, then you're not going to back out so quickly. And as a result, it's the same as, as a purchase, and you do have to put up a right away. He mentions a bit of a, a hesitation on that. I would just want to add another point. You know that the Minne Chabad is, it's written in Sefer Minhogim, um, numerous letters of the Rebbe, that where even when renting, we put up a mezuzah immediately without a bracha, and then after 30 days, we take down one mezuzah, check it, possibly change it for a better one, and then make a bracha and have with that in mind all the others. That's the Minnich Chabad. Now, one of the reasons for this is, not so well documented, one of the reasons for this is that the Shishitas Harosh is that the exemption of 30 days doesn't mean the first 30 days of a long-term rental. It means if you are renting for up till 30 days, but if you are renting for a longer term rental, even let's say for two months, so then, or 31 days, so the Rosh says Yochayv misses it right away. So that's where Minik Chabad is, is kind of, the literal understanding of the Shukhan Aruch is that you have an exemption for the first 30 days. So in respect of that, we don't make a bracha um, when we put up mezuzah right away, but in recognition of the Shittas Harosh, we put up mezuzah right away, so we should, that, that, we, that we do have a mezuzah there. It goes even more interesting, because um, if the first 30 days was an absolute exemption, um, if it was an absolute exemption, you can ask the question, you put up mezuzah, um, you have 10 doors in the house. You put up 10 mezuzahs. At the end of 30 days, you took, without a bracha, yeah? At the end of 30 days, you took up one mezuzah to check it and, and replace it with a better one, or maybe. What about all the other mezuzahs? They were put up. Why don't we say it's not a you If you weren't a chai mezuzah then, why don't you have to take up those, those mezuzahs off and put them back again? So that's an interesting question. But now if, if you're looking at it, it's more, it's more a, a uh, uh, how do you say, uh, it's no pressure, so to speak. It doesn't mean that it's possible if it was put up during the first 30 days. Um, so the poil, you don't, you don't have to take off the other mezuzahs. You just take off the one and have the, uh, it's in, in order to take a bracha, you, you, to make a bracha, you can't make a bracha, you know, just sit with your arms folded and say, a bracha, mezuzah. you have to do a maizu. So that's where you take one off. And what's, the, what's your justification for taking it off? I mean, it's, it's doing fine. So you take it off to check it perhaps put a better one. That's justifying the taking it off and putting it back on again. And then once you're doing your maestro, so then you can make a bracha and that is covering for all the mezuzahs. Let's move on to the next question. Um, yeah. Okay. So on Sunday morning, last Sunday, I gave a shear in Crown Heights. In actually the same shear twice, two groups of people about maestro of, of earnings. And one of the Yesodas, which we discussed, what can you do with your miser money? So, of course, the primary use of, usage of miser money is for tzedakah, but there is also permission to use it for a, 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 it's a mitz, mitzvah need, so long as it's not a chiyuv um, on yourself. It's not, you're not absolutely bound to do that. So, you cannot buy a mezuzah for, uh, with, with your miser money because. You have mitzvah to put, to put a mezuzah. You cannot buy an esri uh, and so on. You can't buy, you can't spend your maizah money for things which are a, a chiyuv upon yourself. So, but if it's a hidur mitzvah, well, then it's voluntary. 
So then you could use possibly, and therefore they were asking the question, which I didn't answer at the time. Can you, you can buy an for 50 pounds, uh, but you want to have a fancier estric. Can you use your miser money to pay the difference between a simple estric and a amuhudidika estric? Because that extra amount is, is a hid or a mitzvah, it's not a chiyuv. So Nebuchadnezzar helped that, uh, as in many things, we've got different opinions. And this sefer, which I have in front of you, is from a sefer called Psokim Utshuvas. Now, not to be confused with his father-in-law, who wrote a sefer Pisket Shuvas. So the son-in-law is focused on Yeridea, published so far two volumes, similar style, and they're called Psokim Utshuvas, and he has a section on Stoker. So he writes the following. Yesh Oimrim, there are those who say that even though you're not allowed to buy a personal mitzvah article with Maisa money, you could use the Maisa money for Hidur Mitzvah because you're not bound to do that. It's, it's optional. And, and now there is an idea of Hidur Mitzvah Ad Shlish, that there is a kind of mitzvah, kind of a duty that you should uh, allow yourself an extra third above the additional, above, above the basic price. So he says, for example, if you could have bought an Esri for $60. So then Hidur Mitzvah Ad Shlish means to spend another third, which means a third of 60 is 20. So you should be spending $80. But anything beyond 80 is considered not a chiv at all. And therefore, you would be allowed to use your miser money, anything beyond the 80. That's the first opinion. The second opinion says no. When we say that you can use miser money for voluntary mitzvahs, that's talking about putting someone else's business there. Uh, things which are not, not, a personal, not a, for personal use. Let's read the words inside. But yes, Oimrim, that this, or buying a more expensive asterisk would not be acceptable because it's, it's an article which you're the, the sole user. Like your tefillin, your arbaminim. So to use your miser money for a hidur mitzvah, but you are the sole user, you shouldn't be using miser money. If it's an, uh, a, a, a hidor, as I say, a voluntary mitzvah, but it's for the communal use, or will be shared. That's okay. But uh, but if it's just for yourself, that that wouldn't that doesn't wouldn't carry. It, um, that wouldn't be acceptable. Okay. Um, what then would say? I would say that if that's the case, if you are, if you are a in a position that you're going to share your arba minim with numerous people. And then it would be justified to use your miser money to um, to up the quality of your estrig, which you're going to be sharing with members of your community, etc. Okay, let's move on. Okay, I've got this strange thing. I come to New York. There's a few times people have come over to me and observed how. Uh, what I did when the Chazan started Shmonesra. I have a little problem that I, I didn't spend enough years in the, um, in the reading class with the Rebbe Strokes of La Shalom. So I damaged Shmonesra a little bit slower than the uh, regular Minyanim or my Chal, my Sukta Zimra. So it very often works out. Um, Baruch Hashem, here we have a nice. Uh, um, Steady minion with a steady pace, but then and there it's, it's a bit quicker. So very often, the chazan is about to start chazal sashat, so now I'm about to start the quiet shmonesra. So what do you do then? Do you daven together with the chazan, or do you 
and, and then you say incorporate it in your davening, or do you wait by by um, um do you wait there, say kedusha, and then join, then you start davening your quiet shmonesra. By the way, Toysus mentions that Rabbi Tam used to wait by 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 you know by um, Shira Hadosha. He used to wait there. Looks like the minion didn't wait for Rabbeinu Tam. Um, so uh, uh, in good, good company. So actually, before reading inside, someone noticed I, I waited. I didn't join them. Join you know to to, to um, do a tandem ride with the chazan. I told him actually I would have preferred to do a tandem. But I, I was worried, and I was actually my worries were confirmed that this cousin would say the Shemineshra so fast that I wouldn't be able to keep up with him during the first two brachas. So then I'd be, as they say, Karech Mikan and Mikan. I would just try to stay with him, I can't keep up. And then, okay, but let, let's read this carefully. What, what are the options? Um, we, all right, let's, let's before. Addressing this, I just on the chat, someone raised the question: Can you use mice money to buy to fill in for an anical? Very good question. Um, if you can't afford it otherwise, I think you could. If, if you can't afford it, and they and they, the the anical's family can't afford it from their regular funds, then you could use mice money. But uh, if 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 it's affordable without using mice money, then one shouldn't. Okay, so now here we have from the Alter Rebbe Shukhanarov, this is in Simon Kuftes, and he writes the following. If you did start Shemineshra at the same time, for whatever pressure, you started Shemineshra together with the Chaz. So, when you come to, when you, you're saying Ata Giber together with the Chazan, and it comes to Knakdishach on a Kadesh, because it's Ashkenaz. You're going to say every word which the Chazan says in tandem. Uh, you're in your quiet Jimenez, so you're not meant to be saying Kedushach. When you are saying in tandem with the Chazan, you, you are actually upgraded. You are a, a tandem Chazan. He says also you should say Akela Kodesh together with him and Shemat Philo and goes to the whole thing. Okay. Then he goes further. The second paragraph. This is only acceptable if you are urged to daven immediately. I, because you already said go al Yisrael, you have to start Shemat right away. Or because it's getting late, and to wait till later, you might actually miss Mount Villa, etc. But if it's not a pressure, if it's not a pressure, then you should not do this tandem job to say the Kedusha together with the Chazan. The fee, and this is where it's, it's tricky, what the, the correct procedure would be, you listen, the chazan says, Nakdishach. Gentlemen, join us in sanctifying Hashem's name, Nakdishach of Naritz. And then, in response to the prompting of the chazan, 
Or we should be responding to the prompting of the chas. Now those three psukim, Kodesh Baruch and Yimlech. But the other bits we shouldn't be saying. When you're going to do, go in tandem with the chas, and so you're going to all say those other bits too. And therefore, it's better to avoid this tandem arrangement. So now let's take a look at what the Alter Rebbe is saying. I've got on the page, I've got here two copies of Kedusha. One is from Siddur Torah Eir. The other one is from Siddur Tilas Hashem. So the Oilam is more familiar with Tilas Hashem. So here, what he's saying is that the Chazan should be saying and the Kol Chazan, then we respond Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish. The Chazan says we respond the Chazan says and we respond that is one minhag which is mentioned in Shechon Aruch in I think of Kuf the Seder of, of Kedusha. As you see in the Torah Eresidah, there's no instructions. If you look in Shechon Aruch, so what, what the, meanwhile, what the Altenab is saying is, these, if you're going to say in tandem with the Chazan, you're going to have to say Lemosim Shabkum Yomrim, you're going to have to say certainly you have to say Nagdishach. And that's not the normal uh, practice, and therefore better to <coughs> to to wait by before Shirah Hadosho and respond just those three psukim. In Simen Kuf Chofhei, as I said, the Alter Rebbe brings Minigar Rizal to say all of this, to say Nagdishach as we all, that's the common Minigar, at least literature Minigar, that everyone says Nagdishach. But if you go to uh, Polish Abyss Madrish, you hear everyone's saying Muslim Shavchur Emrim, everyone's saying Divikot Shachar. Actually, the Arizal had this minig, but he'd said those things, balachash. He would say, lumosom, would say them, balachash. There are those who say that the Rebbe would also follow that minig Arizal to say those pieces of balachash. So therefore, to sum up, if you are saying all of these pieces, then there's no hesitation per se to do a tandem job with the Chazan. If you normally would not say those pieces, then that's where the Alter Rebbe it says to not to say it with a chazan, say and wait before by Shira Chadosha and say it. So really it depends what your minhig is. If you would normally say that everything, then there's no reason not to say it together with a tandem with the chazan. But I said, as I said just a few minutes ago, that's only if the chazan and you are going to follow at the same pace. But if the chazan is going to race ahead, then you may as well just wait and say just Kodesh Baruch Yimloch and Omen of Akela Kodesh. Um, a couple of points here. I don't know. Someone is saying, I thought it's better mitzat filibet sibur to say. I think you're saying that it's better mitzat filibet sibur to say it together with the chas, and that might be true. It sounds that answering is better than filibet sibur. So what we're seeing here is the the Rebbe is not so keen on it, but that's because of that minig of not saying the pieces in lo mosam shabchim yoyimrim and lo divrikotshcha. If you normally do say them, then yes, I think you're right. If the chazan is a uh, not a rushing kind of guy, but is saying it's as um, patiently as patient as you, then it would be better, I think, to say it together with the chazan. Yeah. Okay. Now I had a a uh, an email this week from I was actually quite chuffed from it was from uh, Rabbi Broin, uh, one of the or the senior rabbonim in Crown Heights. Um, was uh, I, I noticed before he said. Uh, I've got an amazing recall. 
Um, and he, he somehow had heard that I'd spoken about um, feeding pets. You know, if you remember the discussion last week about the, was it two weeks ago, um, about the cat who would come every time the owner wanted to take a snack from the fridge. The cat was there also because uh, it has a dinkedema. Uh, and I mentioned that there's two Gemaras, one in Gemara Gittin and one in Gemara Brochus. One says you're not allowed to lit or you're not allowed to taste before feeding your animal. The other one says also lechol. And I pointed out that the Alter Rebbe brings the gifts also lechol. And therefore it's only a meal, but just a little snack. You don't have to give priority to your cat. So he pointed out three references. One is in the Kutatayra. There's actually a mimer in the Kutatayra uh, on the Vayikromimtesomid base. On this, uh, the beginning of the mimer is about not allowed to eat uh, before feeding your animals. And then we have in the Lakutatayra, we have this bracketed um, comment. These are most likely from the Tzemach Tzedek. We know the Tzemach Tzedek added many hagos. And the Altarebbe had quoted the Loshan also lit on. So the Tzemach Tzedek comments, that is indeed the Girsa in the Gemara Gittin, Daf Samach Beisamadala. And that's also the quote in Mogan Avroam, Kof Samach Zayin. I think it's Kof Samach Zayin, whatever. Bas Yosef brings a Girsa Shayoichal. And that is indeed the Girsa. In Brochus Daf Mem. So the Tzemach Tzedek has already pointed out this difference of whether it's Osulitim or Osulecho. And Rabbi Broin also gave me two other references. One is to Lukut Sichus Lamad Zayin, um, page 73, 10. Another place in the Sicha, which I found in Teres Menachem, volume Mem, uh, page 298. Um, so the the change of the two Gershois is mentioned in all of these three places i wrote to him does that do you have any indication which way is more reliable so he says no i just i just shared with you these marmacomas which he says kanira de ishtamita say and he was absolutely right i didn't know those marmacomas but okay just to add in a, the, i had an extra smichus uh, that um a swara that since a cat can go and feed itself outside the house also. Therefore, you're not so bound to feed them before uh, before feeding yourself. And um, yeah, let's move on. Okay, did I, was that, that was five, that was number six. Okay, again, I was, I was, I had a kliach somewhere in Florida and the story is like this. They have a mikvah. This mikvah was built by a local Talmud Chochem and it was a men's mikvah, but now they wanted to, for whatever reason, make it also kosher for a mikvah for Noshim. And so they brought out someone to check the mikvah, and the person raised the problem. Problem is, which he raised, is the siphon. In order to empty the mikvah, so they, what they've in, installed a system as a pipe which goes down to the bottom of the mikvah. And it goes up over the sides of the mikvah, goes down to a well of some sort, or drain, which is lower than the surface, the bottom surface of the mikvah. And the way physics work is that the water starts draining out at the bottom of the siphon, although of this pipe, and that will make a suction and start emptying the mikvah. Now, in order to control that, so at the bottom end of the pipe, in the near the drain. There is a tap. So now there's, there's two concerns here. One is a mikvah mustn't be leaking. A mikvah mustn't be zoichalim. It mustn't be flowing. It has to be 
the water has to be static. So I was quite comfortable to say that this water is static, it's not moving. There's another question though, whether the water is being supported by Dovahamakavaltum. In times bygone, mikvahs were built with a drain, a plug hole. Like you have in a bath, the bottom, there's a plug hole. So mikvahs were built that way. And they would, they, and the, but the problem is, how, how can you b block that? If you're going to use a Dovahama Kabul tumor, then it means the whole mikvah is being supported in place. The water is being supported in place by Dovahama Kabul tumor, which is not okay. So they use a, a wooden bung or some other things. I only saw this once. I was once, I visited a mikvah in Germany. I don't remember, I think it was a place called Reutling or something, whatever. Um, and they had a mikvah. I don't know how old it was. But there was actually a plug hole in the bottom of the mikveh, and um, that—that—that's you know that's that's the way they used to do that. And so the plug, which is plugging the 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 outlet of the mikveh, must not be that plug mustn't be a dovahamakabel tumor. So now, is the siphon the fact that the bottom of the siphon has got now? A, a metal tap or a, a plastic or whatever, it's a Kaylee. Let's say it's a metal tap, just to make it uh, for argument's sake. Does that make that the water in the mikvah is being supported by that tap? So I, I, was, I was not convinced at all about this being a problem because I felt that the moment that water is not going anywhere, it's not even pushing. When you'll release the tap, then the first body of water at the bottom of the, the lower end of that pipe will empty out and then it will create a suction. It'll create a vacuum and a suction, etc. But at the moment there's no suction, it's just, it's, it's sleeping. So I didn't feel there's any problem. But I, uh, since someone raised the question, so I did write an email to Rabbi Eli Landau in Israel, and he confirmed that it is a concern. So I told the shliach, we have to, we'll have to do something about it. But then afterwards, I had a bit of time. It was a bit of a rush, so that's why I went that way. Now, a bit of time. So what you have in front of you is from a sefer called Pischemik Voice, which is written by Yaakov Bloy, uh, who's written numerous brilliance for him, Rebris Yehudo, Choyves Hador, Choyshen. So he quotes here from a sefer, Taras Yomtiv and the Sefer Chesed Yehoshua. Taras Yomtiv was the Helmut Siro. The Chesed Yehoshua did look up. It's a recent um, Hungarian row um, where they talk about this, this uh, suction, this, this siphon. And he describes how it works. And the Chesed Yehoshua says he doesn't see a problem of Mamid through a Makabal tumor the fact that you use a tap, because the tap is only to, um, to stop the release of air, that they shouldn't, shouldn't start the, 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 cipher, the, the siphoning. Yeah? So Rabbi Bloy writes in his brackets, so his Rabbi Bloy is not so confident about this. And then the Taras Yomtev is not happy about this. So what I'm seeing is that my, my initial position 
seems to be the same as what this um, Chesed Yeshua is saying, that, that at this moment, there is no, there's no flowing, there's no suction, uh, and therefore, it's okay to have that tap there. But it's uh, since uh, Mikvi tried to do Lakulay Alma, avoid Shilas. So this is what in these Sefer um, Pitzchemik voice, he brings here from a Rav Minzberg. He has a whole contrast of a Rav Minzberg who was a um, very involved in designing Mikvois. And they, uh, do, 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 they advised to do it the following. Same idea that you have a suction and you have a pipe to the bottom of the mikvah, and there you have a little sump where the number seven is, and you have the outside pipe goes lower than the surface, the bottom surface of the mikvah. But what you're going to have is at the top, where it has the number four, you're going to have a, a tap. And when you open that tap, that's going to allow air into the system. When the air is in the system, then there's no suction. So then there's no pumping, no, no siphoning going to happen. When you want to empty the mikvah, you're going to close tap number four. You'll then open tap number two, and that will fill up the pipe um, all the way. It'll fill it up with water. Then you'll close tap number two, and then nature will find its way that the bottom of the, either the lower end of the pipe will start emptying and it'll start sucking the emitter. So what this whole system of putting in an extra two taps, one air pipe, uh, two, he calls it shoiver vacuum. Shoiver bears a shoiver, he calls it to break the vacuum. So that's number four, but to, to that there shouldn't be a vacuum at all. And then once you do want to have a vacuum, you're gonna you pour in water through this um, number two, and then the vacuum is gonna start working. So I recommended that they should do this as, but meanwhile I asked, what can we use it until that's installed? I felt that it is, it is valid. Um, it's a kosher mikvah, that way it was, it was built by whoever built it. Um, it's a kosher mikvah, but you make it look on the alma. Let's take a look at, someone's put something on the um, notes here. Are you not supposed to say moidim and omen to shemeat filat? So, okay, you're going, we're going back to, if you are um, not davening with a minion, you're a bit behind and you're holding by, um, as you say, Shira um, Chadosha, et cetera. During Birchas Krishna, you may answer the first, the three words of Moedim and You also answer Omen to the Baruch of Shemeat Filah. Does that mean you're going to have to wait? Yeah, sometimes you might be in a bit of a, a bit of pressure on time also to have to wait till the chazan goes to Shemeat Fila and then Esh to start your quiet from Nesra. And there may be something in that, but uh, probably subject to how much time you have available. Let's move on. Okay, so here I was at the oil on Wednesday morning and someone saw me, a, a, a senior of, and he tells me that the last Shabbos they their 10th man disappeared during Kriya Satora. And I'm going through this, it's probably uh, uh, some of our listeners have this um, from time to time. So it's worth revising the halacha. He's asking, should they have said Kaddish? So let's read, this is a quote from the Shari Ephraim. Shari Ephraim is a Sefuch. Um, Shari Ephraim is a uh, specialist Sefer on Kriya Satora. 
He writes the following. You have to have 10 male adults, Jewish, and um, a child under the age of bar mitzvah doesn't, doesn't make up your minion. If you started with 10 men and one of them left, then you finish your quota of alias. If it's a weekday, do three alias. If it's Shabbos, you do seven alias. If it's Yom Tov, you'll do five alias with the brachas, but no hisafas, no extra alias. But then here's, it gets a little bit more interesting about maftir. You would not do a maftir. So, so you, what you're going to do is, you're only going to have seven alias. The maftir is not going to be uh, neither Shabbos nor Yom Tov. So you, I guess you wouldn't take out the other Sefer for for a maftir or wouldn't open it for, for maftir. Um, and you're just going to say Kaddish after Kriyasa Torah. And Haftorah is considered a separate unit. As Haftorah is said without the brachas. But he does say you should say Kaddish after the, after the Kriyasa Torah. Uh, so the, 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 that's like the end of the unit. The Kaddishes are considered at the end of the unit. In the notes in... Uh, in the Shari Ephraim, he does bring from the Bircha Yosef, from the Chidor, who is a little bit hesitant about that, but um, he himself obviously paskins that the Kaddish is part of the uh, unit of Kriyasa Torah, and therefore you would say that Kaddish. Okay. Fairly straightforward. I didn't have a chance to look up the whole Machloikist um, of the, why, why, why the Bircha Yosef is, is concerned. Um, I didn't, get, didn't, didn't manage to get around to it. Okay. So here we have a question, which one of a Kliach here in England actually asked me this week. Um, he first asked, can you sell letters in a Sefetorah to a prospective gear? So I, I answered yes. Then he says, what about an outright Goy? Can you sell letters in a Sefetorah? Now, really, um, really, the question here is, what does it mean when you sell letters of a cemetery? I understand that if it's an ownership, I would be very loath to have a goy being a partner in a cemetery. Even though perhaps it may be legitimate, I didn't find any, any uh, clear indication. But is, is when you buy a letter in a cemetery, what exactly is it? What are you doing? So we know that the Rebbe very much encouraged the union of a um, buying a letter in the cemetery, but it's an old Jewish minig. And the Rebbe has a fascinating uh, explanation. Now, if you want to know where it is, it's in Chavdal in Pashas How are we Yotzer? Most of us haven't written our own cemetery and don't necessarily have plans to do so. So how are we Yotzer the Mitzvah? So the Rebbe says a fascinating uh, um, explanation. When you have, let's say, back in the day where they only had one Esther for the whole town. So how did it work? <coughs> the Esther has to be your own. You can't have a, 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 a Esther partnership. The answer is, the moment when you took the Esther, it's, it's granted to you totally. So the Rebbe says a similar idea, Sefetoyer. What's the Sefetoyer for? Sefetoyer is for Kriya Satoyer. So the understanding is each person, as he has the Aliyah at that moment, the Sefetoyer is his. 
So he's, he has the ownership of the Sefer for that moment, for those two minutes which he has as Aliyah. <coughs> In that way, he, he owns the Sefer Now, that's, that's the Rebbe's um, Chiddush in that long Sikha. And towards the end, he says the following. Now we will appreciate how um, valuable it is the idea to purchase a letter in a communal separate The Rebbe had used this concept. The Bezdin kind of allocate this, the separate um, belongs to you at the time you have your aliyah. Was dos is moyel canal that idea that you own the sefatoria at the time of your aliyah that is valuable valid. A filo ven is zechnit mishtatav in ksevus hasefer dochkefenaois. Even if you haven't contributed, but the the uh, communal sefatoria is designed with the idea that each person as a user is theirs for that for those two minutes. But now, if you bought an os in the sefatoria, nor the mahad derbai oigdi mayle for na maise bepoyel. You've kind of, kind of done something personally contributed to the mitzvah of writing the Sefer Torah. It's not like you're getting a mitzvah, um, just snatching it a free a freebie. If you write a Sefer Torah, you, so you are it's as if you personally received it from Parasinai. So reading this, what is the Rebbe saying here? I don't think he's suggesting that you buy a letter, you are a partner. He's saying you are a contributor. If that's the case, if you're just a, if it's just a contribution, so then I don't have a strong objection to the guy buying a letter in the cemetery, but I certainly would not recommend it just out of Hergish. But legally, you know, strictly speaking, I don't have a, a, a strong objection. Now, whilst we're already talking about this, another shliach spoke to me during the week, that uh, he's, uh, he's got a donor for a Sefer Torah and um, he's been offered a finished Sefer Torah. Finished Sefer Torah. So now when you want to do the dedication, normally you have people are called over and fill in the last letters. So the Seifer, the, the Seicher who sold in the Sefer Torah, he says there are those who allow you to erase some of the letters and then you can give the honors to people to fill in. Which I felt very, I, I, I respected. I think it's very uh, inappropriate to start taking a kosher sefer disqualifying it in order to dish out kibudim. I felt that was totally uh, inappropriate. And you can give other kibudim, give, give hagbas and glulas and hagoshes and, and whatever. You can do kibudim without having to. Uh, now, the, the, my my other hesitation was that if the person who you're going to give this honor is is. Uh, not in any way a Shemesh Shabbos, then you have a problem. He, whether whether he's filling in the letters is a kosher, uh, kosher uh, making, is it actually a kosher exiva because of his status. In addition, Bichlal, people go over and they, 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 they take the pen and they start writing. Do you know what you're doing? You know, there's a difference between dropping a drop of ink and moving a pen. When you move a pen, that's called writing. If you take the the, 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 the quill and you just drop a, a, a drop of ink, that's not called writing. So, so in addition, it's it's such a complicated thing. To uh, and, and I think it's just simpler. Uh, you have a kosher sefer 
don't don't try to uh, be a hocham and get all of these people to write letters in the Sefer It raises problems. As you can see, I've got here um, from the Nite Gavriel, where he has a person who's not a Shem and Shabbos. We, one shouldn't really give them a an opportunity to fill in letters of the Sefer And then he says, what happens if you have no choice about it? So you should, whatever, he gives you some advice. But really, it's something which is not not, not a lachat chila at all. Okay, um, someone to ask you something on the, on the chat. Many who write a Sefer Torah loan the Sefer Torah to the shul. Um, right, right. That's a very valid point. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we did discuss that when you have a privately owned Sefer Torah, when they give it to the shul, they don't give it outright as a gift. They just lend it to the community. And so that's a very valuable, valuable point that the Rebbe's Chiddush here that there's a communal sefer and whenever you have an aliyah, you are acquiring the sefer for those two minutes of your aliyah. That's only if it's a communal sefer but if it's actually privately owned, so then you're right that that would you would not have the ownership for the time of the aliyah. Yes, you could still have an aliyah in someone else's sefer but yes, you're right. This this chiddush of the rebbe is only it's only valid uh, if it's a communal uh, a communal endeavor to write the sefer Okay, um, the, the, your barrier your Friday free wrote something about sufferers. Bichlal, when it comes to sufferers, I tend to uh, try to shy away and say, go to the professionals. So I'm going to do that about the set, your second chat. Let's go on. I had this very beautiful question from a young man in somewhere in Ukraine or somewhere in some the eastern, uh, one of those countries. Email, and he writes in actually quite a good English. He writes um, that he tends to stay a few hours daily in shul. Does a bit of learning, it's for him there, but also he'll he'll do some stuff on his phone, on his laptop, um, make some phone calls. And he's asking, is it okay to be doing these activities in the shul, these mundane activities, or should he move to the Ezra Snoshim or somewhere else outside the shul? There's other rooms in, in the building. So his question is, what, what to what what degree of kedusha etc. Um, what my behavior in shul? How how careful do I have to be? So let's take a look. Um, here we have in Shukhanach Sim Kufnun Aleph in your Erechaim. But in a series of after midrashes, a noyagim behem kalos reish. In a shul, one should not be behaving in a frivolous way. Schoik v'hitul, cracking jokes. Yapping away, nor to be eating and drinking, maskashtim to, um, I don't know what that means, uh, putting on makeup, I don't know, whatever it may be, just, you know, um, unwinding. You shouldn't be using a shul as a shelter from the weather. Then he says the following However, the scholars, they are allowed to eat and drink in the shul out of pressure because otherwise it's going to be um, taking away, just distracting them, them them from their learning if they have to, every time they want to have a drink or something, to have to go out to the Besa Medrash. Therefore, they are allowed to eat and drink in the Besa Medrash. And then the others, there are more as Medrash, even without pressure, it's it's also okay. Besa Medrash is as distinct from a Besa Knesset. Then he says, You shouldn't start doing their, your accounts, your personal accounts, 
unless they are counts of a mitzvah, tzedakah, pidyon, shifuyim. All right. Now, of course, there could be the objection to the objection, and that is that our shuls are bichlal, al-tznai, we have fabrengans in shuls, and we don't, we, we, our shuls don't have the full klushas beisach nesses. Fair enough. That's, that, that's a, a valid point. And nevertheless, now I'm going over to the Piskei Tshuvas in on that piece of Shulchan Aruch in Simakufnun Aleph. And he says, one should emphasize, one shouldn't be sitting reading newspapers, Haredi newspapers, uh, in, in the Beis Medrish. Then he goes, the whole thing about um, cell, uh, cell, um, uh, cell phones and smoking. And then he uh, goes towards the bottom. He says, a person shouldn't say, I see many um, fine, upstanding members of the community who are not so particular about um, etc. So he says, So he does encourage to, to um, even in our contemporary types of shuls, to be careful and to be respectful of those premises. And so, yeah, so my advice to this young man is actually, yes, that um, if it's just ad hoc for a minute, but if it's going to be spending a while doing mundane stuff, then actually better um, not in the show. Now, my, I, I, I told him I'm not sure about the status of the base of the Ezra's Noshim. Does the Ezra's Noshim have the status of a show? After all, it's also designated for prayer. Um, the fact that it's not made for a minyonim, but I don't know that makes a difference. Um, I remember there's something in, in Alter Rebbe's Shechonoroch and Hilchashim Kippur about sleeping in Shul, about sleeping in the Esos Noshim instead of in the Esos Anoshim. I didn't have a chance to look at it more carefully. Um, it was a side room, which is not, which is not the Esos Noshim. That obviously would be better. All right, my last thing which I want to share with you today, tonight, is uh, on Tuesday night, I was at a chasana. Uh, Rabbi Levi Sudak married off his son. The chasta was in Monsi, and he was. I was a bystander. So all right. So um, the for the kiddushin, you call up two witnesses, and then after the kiddushin is done, so then the ksuba is read, and then after the ksuba is read, the the chasta gives it to the kala, and in some places they have the minute to. That, that, that's um, done in the presence of Adim, of the witnesses. And so one of the witnesses had stepped down from the platform where the chuppah was taking place, and they asked him, are you not going to stay uh, up to see the um, transfer of the ksuba? So he says, um, I don't know. I said, ask the, the Masada Kedushin. I said, the Masada Kedushin said, it's okay. Okay, fine. So here, I've, my training is from... Um, uh, and the procedures a lot I saw how I've been seeing Hakan of Shalom would do it, and he would be particular to get the witnesses to to um, to see the transfer of the ksuba. That doesn't mean that that's necessarily minichabad, but that's that's what I was used to. So what I have here in front of you is from a sefer from Remorche Forkash, which is a madrich for sidikidushin. It's a, a a manual for running a, a, a hasana. Um, so he writes after the reading of now. By the way, why do you read the ksuba? Because a star, any star, any document, before it is given over, it should be read. So um, as on but a get, 
before it is signed, the witnesses read through the whole thing. And any document before it's signed should be actually read by the, by the people who are going to sign it. So the reading of the Ksubah is part of, like, well, we don't, we don't sign it then, some people do, we don't sign it under the Chuppah, but it's before the trans transfer of the Ksubah, it's to be read. That's part of the procedure of, of documents. So then there's a separate issue. Toysim says, that the reading of the Ksuba creates a, 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 a pause between the first part, which is the Eirusin, and that Be'er and the second part, which is the Nisuin, and that's why, because we say twice Be'er Priyagofen. And he says, says that the reading of the Ksuba creates a hafsi. But let's come back. So after having read the Ksuba, the Ksuba is then given to the Chassan, who gives it in turn, he gives it to the Kala. There are those who hold that the reason for giving it over to the Kala is to fulfill the opinion of the Poskim, that a star is only got a validity when it's given over to the beneficiary of that star. So you have it signed, you have a signed document that so-and-so has committed so much money to so-and-so. But if it's not trans transmitted, if the document is, is not in the hands of the beneficiary, so then it's uh, then, then the, the commitment hasn't happened yet. That's the swara which is being said here. Others say no. And once it's signed, it's immediately committed. Therefore, since there are those who say that there's no power to the star until it's actually transferred into the hands of the koine, therefore there are those who say that the adim should see the transfer, how the chosen gives it to the kala. Uh, and then is recommended that the kala should then be giving it to someone else to look after for her, because the kala's got many other things to deal with besides holding on to the Ksuba. And so usually we advise her to give it to uh, someone else. Now, there we are. And he gives a reference to the Tashbits. And then he said, many are not concerned about this. And he gives a reference. Also, Nitya Gavriel says that most people are not concerned. But here I'm going to come back to the Tashbits. The Tashbits, his name is Roshim ben Semach Duran, um, one of the late Rishonim. In my recollection, that Semach Tzedek quotes the Tashbits. Um, I didn't do a search, but I, I, he quotes him very, very often. Gives a lot of attention to this Sefer Tashbits. Um, there's actually, to be careful, there's two Sfarim called Tashbits. One is uh, this Reb Shimon ben Semach, and then one is, I think, Reb Sheshis ben Sodek. There's a Sefer Tashbits uh, called Tashbits Cotton, a small Sefer of Minhogim. Um, and then we've got the Shuvis Tashbits, uh, which we have over here both connected to Parshas Truma, because we have the Ksoyinus Tashbits, well, it's actually Parshas Tetzave, um, but the name, their names are both Shein Ben Tzadik. Um, so in the Tashbits, Simon Shein Aleph Mechele Gimel, he has a long, several pages, long chum of several pages, going through the Ksuba and explaining kind of phrase by phrase why, what's the significance of that phrase. But then uh, he writes the following. It doesn't say anywhere in the Ksuba that Kosavnu Vukosamnu Vumasarnu. The witnesses do not affirm that they've given over. Avol He writes that the custom is that the Khosan gives it over to the Kala. Now, then on the second uh, column, then the Tashbis writes, for the actual main body of the Ksuba, the main fund, the, the main commitment of the Ksuba, there's no need to have giving it over to the Kala 
because tonight best in and even if you hadn't written a ksuba, the commitment it's best in have applied that duty to give it any case. And then he says, Nidunyo, that has already become um, owned or committed from the moment of the Kenya. But then he says, but they have in the in the ksuba, there's various elements. There's the main ksuba, there's a nidunya, and then there's toistvus. So he says that is called matana, and that doesn't become hers until she gets the star. And therefore, lefida zoi, then the minik to give over the ksuba from the chosen to the kala. And then he goes on. He says it's machlekes between the Rif and the Rambam and others rishonim. And he again he says in order to to take heed of the Rif and Rambam's position, therefore the minig is to give it from the in front of Adim into the hand of the Kala. As I said, this is not universal, and um, in some places the Chosen doesn't give it to the Kala at all. Sometimes it's given um, to someone else, uh, one of the family. So it's, it's, it's not universal, as I mentioned over here also, it's not a universal minig. But on the other hand, there is uh, ample uh, yesoid and I'm not here for it, for that. it should be done, and it's obviously a minig in some places. And so, uh, yes, it's it's not a minig shalstus, it's got a, a very good yesod that one should be uh, giving it over from the chosen to the kala. Um, all right, we'll stop with that, and um, just to finish off something which I didn't manage to digest properly, but I still want to share it with you. The sikha, which was published for this week from Yudshvat Tovshin Abed Hay, has a little discussion, I think it's Siflam and Gimel. Is it Mlava Malka? Is it with a uh, with an Aleph or with a Hay? Is it the king or the queen? And he has there a few references, um, and the Rebbe explains the two sides of it about the Indian of, of um, Melech and Malka. What, what exactly is Shabbos? Because by Lechodoidi we say Shabbos Malka. So. But then we have in Al Rebbe Shechonoruch in Hichos Mlava Malka and Simon Shein, he says, Lavi says HaMelech. And so there are a few places in the Rebbe where he um, addresses this question is, are we referring to the Shabbos as a Melech or as a Malko? But as I say, I didn't manage to absorb the Rebbe's explanation over here. And so I'll leave you with the uh, undigested uh, uh, um, reference. And I wish you all a good and as uh, also treffing is in the